Hey guys, welcome to Shooting Blanks. Uh, thanks for listening to the second episode of the mental health series that we're doing. Today I sit down with Christina and Ronald. I used to work with them at a store called C28 maybe 13 years ago. So today we touch base again and speak on our own experiences with mental health. I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. Coming on and reaching out to me about wanting to be on. Um, second of all, what did you guys think about the first, not the first, because I did a little 15-minute one, but the main mental health one. What did you guys think about that episode and what made you guys reach out to me about being on it as well? Honestly, I think it's something that's not talked about a lot. And then having, hearing what they said is like a big thing because it's sad, but it's true growing up in a our society or if you're black or you're white or whatever, come from a middle-class family there's no such thing as depression eh. right like depression doesn't doesn't there is no depression you're what are you sad about what are you upset about and that's just that's just what that is so you just bury everything it's easier that's true yeah. um i find myself doing that as well when when you hear about celebrities that are like oh they're battling depression it's like the quick right off the cuff i'm like what the fuck do you have to be sad about bro like you have what everybody chases and wants. It's like, oh, shit, there's other stuff that adds to it that's, oh, you're sad about whatever you can't control, blah, 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 blah. But the first initial reaction is to judge and be, yeah, why are you sad when you have everything? Oh, I just want what you have, and you technically want what I have, which is normal and to be left alone. Right. You know? And then it's always, well, you asked for that. I'm like, ah, can you say that about a lady who just got sexually assaulted? How did they ask for that? You know what I mean? And and that translates yeah. to, I mean, I'm sure that Ronald, um, with being a paramedic for a while, there's a lot of stuff that you had to battle as well with, and I'm just assuming, so stop me if, I, if I'm wrong, just about dealing okay. with certain patients and certain everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the only correction is that I was at UNC and I was in paramedic school. Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, it's cool. There, there, is a, there is a difference. So, you know, I was at EMT, but, um, just to kind of take it back off of that, it's like, you know, mental health is seen in a lot of different views in today's world, especially like in the modern day world. And just like how Christina was saying that, like, in a quote unquote normal household, it's like, that's just not how it is. You don't, like, the way we've dealt with it before was that, you know, uh, you shouldn't have to be sad, you know, for whatever reason. But, you know, everyone experiences, uh, you know, trauma and, you know, different events in your life in a different way. And uh, I think in today's world, it's it's really important to emphasize on sharing that um, with other people, especially with different backgrounds and different worldviews and different experiences. And being able to share those uh, stories with people will definitely spread, you know, better awareness for how mental health is, uh, you know, handled amongst like different communities and you know, just people that you might not even, you know, fuck with on a daily basis, but mm. there's always something that you can connect with somebody. And, you know, for the most part, you know, as an EMT, uh, I learned to deal with different types of, you know, patients, people, coworkers, yeah. colleagues, and, you know, what have you. And it was basically learning how to manage those situations, whether it was a coworker or somebody that I was supposed to be taken care of, regardless mm. of what the background was. Right. And trying to understand, you know, where they come from and how they got to the place that they were and being able to 
do my job right or handle my life right or make a right decision or something like that. Yeah. And I think it's just a, a general consensus of sympathy and compassion for another human being. And that gets overlooked a lot because when people have different views on life, mm-hmm. people assume that, well, since you're not on the same wavelength as me, then you don't really know what I'm going through. You don't understand. But I think in the re- like in the real world, like you have to try and understand people that think differently from you so that we can, you know, be a more cohesive unit as a human society, you know? Yeah. So yeah. did that... I'm going to I'm going to kind of play advocate here and I'm going to add, you know, because you were getting trained and paid to do that regardless of people's backgrounds, did that stop when the shift ended or did that teach you how to deal with other people just out in the world? Did did you stop caring after you were off the clock or was it something that has now become a part of you to be more understanding? You know, my perspective changed after I left uh EMS because you know, that was that was my job. It was my job to, you know, handle 5150 patients or um, people going through tra- uh, traumatic events and everything. And that was my job to be the middleman uh, to assist those people to the hospital or wherever they're supposed to go, right? And, you know, the major- if people don't know, the majority of calls in EMS um, are medical calls. And they're not always going to be car crashes and gunshot mm-hmm. wounds and stuff. But we deal with a lot of medical emergencies that involve behavioral health. And... After four years of doing it, I just, I was just looking at the fact that I was only transporting people with mental health emergencies to another place to get their help, whatever it is. But I slowly saw this never ending revolving door in the healthcare system where a lot of these people, they go into a 5150 hold and they get their meds, whatever they need to, and then they get released back on the street or into society. And I felt like that revolving door just never had a solution. And not to say, like, I think everyone can agree that uh, mental health is kind of skewed when it comes to people getting actual help. Um, yeah. But I didn't see myself as being helpful to anyone anymore. I mm-hmm. I felt like I was just, you know, just one middleman transporting somebody, and I was never a part of the solution. And um, I mean, we could probably dive into a little bit later on, like, what came about my decision to leave EMS, but overall I wanted to start doing something that was going to help me um, be a better person as far as assisting people in mental health. And so um, I'm not sure if I talked to you about it, Nick, but my goals right now in life are to um, train hard in the gym, be healthy, and apply a lot of my strength training uh, into everyday life and dealing with mental health. You know, the same disciplines that I use uh, in a normal workout, I want to apply to uh, the, the principles of life. You know, when shit doesn't go right, you know, you just kind of got to get up and do it again. You got to try it harder, or you got to recover and bounce back somehow. Right. Um, and I, I want to apply those principles to, you know, how we handle situations in our life. And everyone experiences different things, just like everyone trains differently, or everyone right. gets stronger differently, or everyone has different fitness goals. And so, there's a there's kind of like a mirroring effect to how that is and if i can apply those principles to other people that might not have that outlet then at least that's one person that doesn't have to get on an ambulance and get 5150 because they were able to you know have some outreach before they you know fell into 
their addictions, their anxieties, their depressions, or whatever it may be, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's... that's Go go ahead, Christina. No, I was saying that's true, because um, when I I was diagnosed with MS in 2015 in December, um, I went through a stage, they don't... Like, all I did was go into the neurologist's office, they told me what I had, he's like, pick between these three meds, and here you go. And so I was like, what the hell? Like, what's supposed to happen in between? I don't really care about, like, I get the whole medicine part, but, like, you just turned my world upside down. And the goals and dreams that I had, they're going to have to change a little bit. But it's like, you don't. You don't get that. You don't. They just give you, like, they push you on your way. But when I went to, um, it was a couple years ago, I tried to kill myself and I had to have my husband take me to um, the emergency room. But even in there, and I was telling the lady, I was like, you can't be rough. Or I was like, they're like, you know, they just, okay, well, they strip off their clothes and take everything off. But they were like, kind of mean about it. And I was like, yeah. first of all, I have a mess. Second of all, if you knock me over, we're going to have a problem. But it's just like, just because someone's in that mental, like in a bad space, don't don't make it worse for that person because you're just you're just adding on and that's what happened um but it was like at the end of it i did get someone i got to talk to and eventually i got i'm still talking to a counselor to just go through everything but i i'm on an an anxiety meds and i'm in on depression meds but i think that's another thing that people judge people about is, is oh you're on those and i'm like like, I don't know to tell you, like, okay? Well, I think that like people that. look at it as, when they don't understand it, they look at it as a sign of weakness. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of generalizing here. No, um, I agree. You're I, right, you're right. I know that, so it, it runs in my family. My dad was severely manic depressive, and he was on mm. a whole plethora of, he had a whole bunch of shit, but when he got older, he had a whole, like, plethora of, of shit he was taking. And you could always tell when he didn't take it for a day or two. So when I started recognizing those same symptoms in myself, it was, well, I don't want to get on pills and, and be dependent. I don't want it to. Right. And that's, and that's what I'm seeing with a lot of people when they go in and be like, yeah. Hey, I'm thinking this way. Oh, well, let's talk about it for an hour. I'm going to charge you up the ass for it. I'm a write you a prescription, go about your day. And we're going to be square. And I'm like, cramming pills down people's throat doesn't, doesn't do much it, to me. And now that's what I'm, I'm doing okay. almost the same approach as Ronald to where I took some time off. I took a lot of time off, actually, and the dad bod shows it. Uh, but I'm going back into the gym as well to where I'm going, you know, five, six days a week because that is my yeah. – that's almost like my outlet. You know what I mean? I have a lot of yeah, shitty yeah. tattoos because a while that was my outlet. And before that, it was going to bars and getting into fights, just being violent, you know, and, and that does nothing either. And it's yeah. – I think that because people don't understand it, but they think that they can cure it, without any sort of degree or any sort of studying, that's where a lot of problem comes in. And that's me falling victim to myself, thinking, oh, I got this shit under control. I know me better than that doctor I'm going to go talk to, so they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And then I'm hurting people along the way because I'm lashing out. You know what I mean? Um, But I think that that that's the biggest problem with getting actual help is their first, from what I've seen, their first thing is there's a pill for that. Oh no, I didn't. I was like that. I was like, before you get, like give me anything or suggest, we're gonna have a little conversation for a while, <laughs> and then we'll see where this goes. Because I, I like, I, 
for me, it's like I have to be cautious about what goes in my body now. And like, I'm very talkative, very open. Like, I'll if I don't like something, I'll tell them. Like, I'm a bitch. Like, I'm worse than I was before with MS because now I'm like, I don't give two shits about anybody else because it's like you're not gonna risk my health because you want to be dumb. Um, so it's just like I ask questions. I always ask questions. Um, even after. Uh, my neurologist, I had him for a while, but then I ended up switching to another one who I love. But um, it's just like he didn't take the care that that was needed because it was just still a struggle um, going through it. And then he, I, he, I was on my first med. It was called Jelenia. So it's a pill I take every day. It slows down my immune system so it doesn't keep affecting my body. Um, but my white blood count went down so he took me off right away and then I switched to another med and then I got like hives and like I couldn't I couldn't take it and so then I was like okay this doctor sucks let's go find another one so I got another one and she's like well he shouldn't have taken you off this is what's going on with your body and it was like she took the time out to listen and then to answer the questions that I needed it it wasn't just you need to be on this it was like okay, so this is what you're going through, this is what you're going to need, and blah, blah, blah. So it was, like, a lot more helpful um, to, to uh, going through something that's, like, life-changing. Yeah. I think what's important is to really explore your options, and if you have the mental capacity to be able to see those options, you know, that's really good. And I think, for the most part, some people just don't realize that there are so many different outlets regarding the help that you need. You know, yeah. health-wise in general, but mm-hmm. especially for mental health, right? Because you're going right. through all these things and these different changes throughout your life, and it's just kind of throwing you under the bus. And mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, you don't even realize that you're going through, like, a mental health emergency, right. you know? And you really don't. Sometimes you just get that, that wake-up call or that random moment during the month, uh, and it's just like, <laughs> damn, I'm, like, I'm just really going through it. Yeah, but it's like, I'm just really going through it, you know? And like, yeah. you know, it's, it's that cliche, like how life is the whole big roller coaster. There's ups and downs and, right. you know, there's a lot of expectations. And, um, you know, it's, it's really cool that you were able to explore, you know, a different person that could give you a different outlook on, you know, how you can like kind of handle, you know, and help and manage and handle your health. And, um, yeah. No, I'm huge on that. I was like yeah. a big thing. I was not going to let somebody decide what goes in my body or what to put on my body. I was like, yeah. no, we're not doing that. You're going to you're gonna have to listen. And then you can throw in some suggestions. I'll look at them, yeah. but don't make a decision for me because that's not how this works. Yeah. Because for I guess for me, it's like I'm the one with the problem. It's not really a problem, but I'm the one with the mental health and I'm also the one with the physical health. Yeah. So you don't get to pick and choose what you think is right for me. You have to, you, you get to go with what I go with. <laughs> I think that that's a, that's a big thing too, is it's the way that it's perceived and broken down to people is it's not, it, from what I've experienced, it's never an option. It's just, this is what you have to do. I'm like, yeah. Why do I have to do it that way? Like, like you said, you question it and, and you do it every which way possible for what's best for you. And I think that once you realize that you have a not a problem, but there's something to change, I don't want to say it's too late, but it's it's very deep in the game. 
And what I've learned younger is that our bodies change anyways every, what, six, seven years? Your taste yeah, buds change. You it. develop allergies, <laughs> right? You develop allergies. You have all these physical changes with your body. It only makes sense that you have mental changes with your body. Somebody could call me a little bitch, you know, 10 years ago and it didn't bother me, but today I might want to fight you. You know what I mean? And it's, that's not the case, but that's just how, how it goes. Something small like that, that it's like, why did that, why does that bother me now and get me enraged when back then it didn't? And it's just a different chemical balance in your brain that does change over the course of time. But no one wants to talk about it. No, I agree because now that I'm in a wheelchair, um, when I when we do talk to handicapped, people stare and they look. And my husband has to go into our trunk to get my wheelchair. And I was like, I'll, I'll, I'm able to like lift my uh, legs up with my arms, so I'll put them out like out, so I'm able to get out. And I'm like, for me, it's just when people stare. I'm like, yeah, bitch, I'm in a chair. You have something to say, say it. Because it's just like staring isn't good, like. And it, the thing was, too, I realized that I used to do that. I used to stare at people. And so that made me also take a step back because sometimes people don't know. But you do know the people who are real quick to say something. Hmm. I just, if I could throw my wheelchair, I would. <laughs> <laughs> so but why don't... I don't know. It's just that it's the, mindset, the mindset of people. Let's, speaking of mindsets of people, then, then Ronald didn't hear the story that you told me on Friday. Um, right. why don't you jump in on that story? Cause this is a fucking, this is a shitty story. Yeah. So I'm acting now. I have an LA agent. Um, so I went to, on Wednesday, I had, uh, um, I did a breakdown for Adobe commercial and, and I was in the background. And so the, the whole day, it was like Wednesday, we were, me and my husband were like having a good time. They're showing us around. Um, they did my makeup, blah, blah, blah. And so we had lunch. And then when we get back, we're going to a different theater. And so I was like, whatever. Um, the world isn't handicap accessible, so we had to, like, take a lot of detours. But I was like, whatever. Um, that was another thing I was going to check on my list of things. But when I was, like, sitting there, when they were setting everything up, my husband, put, he took me out of my wheelchair to set me on the floor. And I was, like, leaning my head on my, on my wheel. And I was just sitting there. But you know when you can hear stuff, so... I was like quiet and he's like um the director he's like okay we're gonna shoot the disabled girl and then we're gonna get we're gonna do we're gonna get the disabled girl done and then the disabled girl can go but the executive producer who was on it he's like he kept saying my name he's like no you mean her you mean her um because i go by rumor um and acting because unfortunately my name was stolen or taken but it, it was like when he kept saying that, it was like, I was highly offended. Um, I was like, well, you know, um, wheelchair or not, like, I'm still a person. Like, you you can't talk to people like that, which is crazy. And Nick, I didn't tell you this. I was going to save it for today. But I had the, um, the vice president of the museum called me the other day. And they fired that guy. Nuh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Because wow. they had a meeting to ask. I wrote a letter. Don't piss me off. I wrote a letter. And he um, he said, well, we're letting this person go. But they had a meeting with all everybody except him. They had a meeting. And they asked, was that said? And everybody said yes. 
And so I was, but the thing that also made me mad is that nobody stood up for me, but it's all good because I can sit, I can stand up for myself. Um, mm-hmm. I'm grateful my husband didn't hear it because he was like, he would have got punched out. And I was like, well, that's a job. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to, yeah. trying to make it. But it, 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 it's sad like that people label you the way they do. And yeah. it, it, for me, it was like, dang, I, I don't have a name, I guess. I'm just a girl in the chair. But that made me feel like I was already, I'm already struggling with being in a chair that just mm-hmm. made it 10 times worse because in the acting industry you don't see a lot of people in wheelchairs like they have some disabilities they're doing sign language or whatever or you have actors who play like they have a disability but to actually see someone i haven't yet and that's where you're going to come in <laughs> i know i was like denzel wait for me we're going to do a movie together <laughs> i think that's i think that's really cool though that you know, you, you're diving into an industry that, you know, that's, that's kind of new to you and you're you're gaining all these new experiences and you're seeing, like, you know, from the front line, I guess, like how people are, like, inside the industry and how you now have to deal with this change, you know. I've always seen, like, the only constant in life is change. That's, right. that's all that you get. And, you know, you're just getting all these different things coming at you and, yeah, you know, and it's real life, and right. people don't get to experience those things all the time. And for you to be able to like emphasize how important it is to go through this, and you know, relay how you're feeling about it. You know, there's right. people out there that know exactly how you're feeling, and you know, right. you you have your own platform to right. be able to share that, and people can hear you out. And yep. you know, re- regardless of like how many people it reaches or anything, it's still you know, genuine, like, right. you know, what you're experiencing. And, you know, that's, that's important for you to voice that out, you know. Yeah, because I have a friend who's also in a wheelchair, and he's an actor as well. And I wouldn't want him to go through that. Like, I didn't, I wasn't mm-hmm. mad about it. Like, I didn't cry. I was more pissed off about it. But I told my agent, I was like, I never want anybody to ever feel like that. Like, to feel mm-hmm. like they're extra equipment or their superpowers as my acting coach says she said my wheelchair is my superpower that it's a bad thing to have because no one should feel like that just because yeah. i look different. different or i have to do yeah. things different doesn't right. mean i'm i'm still the same person yeah. like i'm still yeah. me and that and and that's the that's the whole that's the, the part in this industry that i'm i'm learning now is that people they judge really fast but yeah. i but the bad thing is, I don't, like, I think, I, I don't know, I think God sometimes gave me the disability because I'm way too open. Because I'll, I'll like, I'll, I'll blatantly, like, be like, okay, so what the problem is? Like, I'll, I'll confront you. And I'll say it out yeah. loud. Like, I don't have yeah. a problem with it. And I'm like, I guess you knew, you knew God, but I was, I'm too damn vocal. Like, you just gotta, you gotta put me up for this, I guess. Yeah. I, I think it's dope that you're just diving into it knowing that it's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. You know, and that just shows your mental toughness right there that you know it's going to be hard as hell. You know it's hasn't been done before, you know, and it's no. it's huge, you know. So I have a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of respect for that for that drive because yeah. it's going to be hard, you know. Yeah. That was my biggest thing that we me and my husband talked about 
was the fact that it would be hard because there is nobody that looks like me who does acting. Um, the person that I do love, though, um, I know he's not in a wheelchair, Samuel Jackson, when he played Mr. Glass, he still had that authoritative type of presence. You forgot he was in the chair, but then you're like, oh, right, he is in a wheelchair. That's, like, not that particular, like, I want to be in that particular space when it comes to acting. Like, I want you to forget that the chair is there. Yeah. And so that's what I'm, yeah. I'm striving for is to forget. And it's, uh, other people have other disabilities. Just forget the disabilities even there. It, it was cool to see, because Dwight was telling me about an NFL player who has, I think he doesn't have a hand, one hand. Just yeah, there? yep. And that was cool for me to see because it's like, okay, now they're, it's like equality. It's, it's more, it's more real. Yeah. Like it, it shows that people, everybody's not made normal or don't come, like things are different for some people, but it's also too, like in the acting industry, you have to show everybody. Right. Because you can't just have a certain amount of people that you want to show. Everybody is going to be different. Yep. So you have to show everybody. Yep. Yep. That That's very true. That's very true. It, it is getting more... I don't want to say accepted, but I don't I don't know another way to put it that people no, are I, different. No, you know, yeah, I, that's a lot of agents are doing that. They're uh, they're asking for people who are, who look different. They don't want the the same Jennifer Aniston look or the J Lo look. They're like, can we get like when I did my audition on the paperwork, it was like if you have a gap tooth or freckles all over your face or you got a patch in your eye or if you're in a wheelchair or blah blah blah, like. Uh, we want to audition you to possibly be on uh, be on our agency. So it's like now the doors are opening more for people to look different. Because everybody, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not going to look like this person. Because I did a commercial recently, and it was a bully commercial, and they're like they sent me the breakdown, and it was like J Lo, and I was like, well, first of all, <laughs> I'm not J Lo. <laughs> Second of all. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do like, that whole thing. But I, I mean, I just, I'm blunt about things. Like, I just, you can't compare me to somebody because yeah. I'm not that person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. So, you guys have had pretty different walks of life, too, with the way you guys grew up. Both of you guys grew up in the Bay Area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Christina, you were homeschooled. Uh, I was homeschooled my sophomore and junior year. Okay. Freshman and my senior year, I wasn't. And Ronald, you just went. You were out in uh, high school in. You weren't in Antioch. You were out in uh, Oak Brentwood, right? Uh, well, yeah. I I grew up in San Ramon uh, until I was about fifteen or so. Yeah. And then I moved out to Brentwood uh, after that. Okay. So okay. I've pretty much been out here ever since. I lived in Alameda for a little bit, and then. I moved back to Brentwood, and but yeah, I grew up out here in the Bay. Right on. And then we all obviously met when we were at the Christian store in the mall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we were super young, and then our lives all took a lot of twists and turns since then. Now, the only thing that obviously there there are two key importances that have happened um, in your guys' lives. Christina, you talked about yours with mm-hmm. your MS hitting. Now, Ronald. I don't want to just put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask because this 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 was a this was a huge thing for for my life ten years ago, um, but that was when my dad died. So 
your your mom just recently passed, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So did that make you spiral? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting because so just to kind of like pedal back a little bit, growing up, I was born very very like conservative, very very Catholic. Mm-hmm. At that, and uh, I lived a pretty good, easy life. I didn't go through a lot of traumas. I didn't, you know, uh, go through abuse or anything like that. Um, it was a pretty normal life, and I was just brought up in the church, but I was never taught to, you know, understand, like, things like mental health and stuff. And mm-hmm. then, you know, kind of moving forward with that, that's when I became an EMT. Um, and that was just, like, my life. And then, uh, so around, probably around 10 years ago, is like, when my mom had gotten sick. And she went through a double bypass surgery. She suffered a stroke, all these other health conditions and everything. And I don't think I really told myself that I wanted to do this because of that, but I felt like it kind of sparked a drive in me to become, uh, to do something in healthcare, to kind of prepare myself, you know, if I ever needed to help out my mom. And uh, I went through, uh, cause I had gone to nursing school and everything didn't really work out. And uh, so then I, be, I became an EMT. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I never, like, told myself this or, you know, had this in the back of my mind. But I guess there was a fear in me that I never wanted to go through an experience of, like, what I've had to see other families go through. And I, I just wanted to be prepared in all of this. That's and, good. you know, after my mom had gotten sick, uh, there was a lot of changes that our family went through. Um, things that my dad weren't, wasn't used to and because we had such a normal life you know for uh, 20 years um, <laughs> our family has never gone through right. something like this you know and so right. seeing like, the change in my dad and my mom and you know my brothers and my brother and my sister like kind of how our lives were all changing like so mm-hmm. quickly um, right. I just kind of wanted to be prepared for I guess the worst in a way so kind of fast forward, becoming an EMT, uh, working on like a 911 ambulance. In my mind, I was just like, I never want to have like, to have to go through like seeing a call and my home address pops up. Cause that's when like my world was just like altered. And like, this is where like the story changes where people don't know, people don't know this is what I went through. Um, so I had gotten injured on the job. I had like three injuries on the job from being an EMT. I developed sciatica. I tore my meniscus on a call and I popped. I had a minor fracture in my wrist uh, on a call. And so this is probably in 2018. Uh, I had gotten injured on the job. And so I was out. Um, at this point, my mom's health like deteriorated a lot. She um, she could no longer drive. Um, she was very, very forgetful and everything. Um, and uh, she was, she needed a lot more like hands-on care at home. And I knew that there was a lot of things that uh, I wasn't aware of, I guess. So I don't know if this is how it is in your guys' uh, culture, uh, like in your own household, but in a Filipino household, like the man of the house like has a lot of pride and um, they don't, my parents never shared like health problems with me or anything. Yeah. And I'm EMT, you know, and in my head, I'm like, you know, I should be aware of like what my, 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 
my mom's health is like right now. But my dad never shared that shit with me because I think he just felt like he was supposed to be responsible for her. And um, so this change that's happening uh, back in 2018 is uh, I was gonna uh, kind of be in charge of my mom's medications and everything but it kind of tore my dad apart because I knew that he didn't want to hand over responsibility for his wife's care like to his son because he felt like it was supposed to be on him like he's the man of the house and um so I could see that there's a battle with my dad going kind of going through that and uh just to fast like just to say I don't blame him for anything uh, because this is where I kind of learned that everyone kind of goes through these experiences and you have to understand, like, everyone's going to break it down differently. Um, yeah, my husband is the same way. It was hard for him to yeah. watch me or still watch me go through it because he can't do anything. Yeah. It's like you have to sit there and watch this person kind of change mm-hmm. because we've been together. We were together when I was walking. We, we've, almost, we've been married by October for 12 years now. Nice. Um, and it, we were together when I was walking, running. I mean, when I was at C two eight, if you guys remember me. <laughs> but it, it, it just for him, it it just it broke down. He just didn't know what to do. And like your dad, he just kind of just he's the man. He should be able to take care of this. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen that way. Yeah, and um, you know, just to kind of make the uh, the long story a little bit shorter. Uh, while I was uh, injured, I was at home and we're kind of going through that uh, ch- change where I'm going to be taking care of my mom's meds. Mm-hmm. And uh, she ends up, you know, in a condition at the house where she's not responsive. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, me kind of being off of work for a few weeks, um, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I haven't been on any calls or anything. But as soon as that happened, it was just like, it's like all my fears that were in the back of my mind are like becoming a reality where it's not me at work where I get the emergency call to my house to, you know, pick up my mom. I'm at the house. And at this point, like, I'm home. It's just me. And now I'm calling 911. And I'm giving them a ring down of my mom's condition, what's happening, what's going on. And, uh, you know, at at that point, it it didn't really, like, it's not like I – overthought it I just kind of flipped into like my EMT mode where I knew I had to get some I had to get the job done and so by the time the ambulance shows up um fire uh, fire crew shows up ambulance uh crew shows up I give them the ring down we're gonna package my mom and put her on the gurney and everything and uh when we're wheeling my mom out we walk outside (laughs) it's the same exact ambulance that I like serviced like that I drove, that I washed, that I stocked up and everything and that I worked on, you know, at the time. And, uh, it was, it was crazy to kind of just see, like, I'm bringing my mom into the ambulance that I work on and everything. And, um, you know, I guess fast forward, she, she did pass away a few days later and it was a pretty traumatic experience for all of us to just kind of see everything happen that way. But, Something that really stuck with me is that, uh, you know, nobody saw it from, like, my eyes. And I, like, lived that for nine months straight. Like, that, like, replayed every moment, like, you know, every day. And, like, I knew I was going down this really deep path of depression and haven't been uh, 
working as an EMT and seeing people go through mental health and I had never experienced anything that they had gone through and like mm. going through like all the hoops and the hurdles and the, the trials and tribulations. I had never like experienced that for myself and now I'm in the position where, you know, I just started not giving a shit and you know, nine months after my mom had passed away, I, I took a trip to, to Japan and uh that's like when everything changed for me. Like I knew that my mindset had to change because I had just fallen on this hole where I knew I didn't, I wasn't motivated to do anything like Mm -hmm. uh, important anymore. And I felt like I just wanted to walk away from it all. And, you know, I was just reminded like by my friends who I was with in Japan that like, I still have purpose. I still can bring, you know, something to the table and, I can help people. I just have to like figure something else out because, you know, after my mom had died, I just, I told him like, I wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way. Damn. And the hard. yeah. And it's, uh, you know, so I fought, like I've literally fought for my life to change and like really like prove to myself, like, uh, I can, I can still do it, you know, despite whatever happened, like I shouldn't give up. So, it's been like super rough, but I'm not gonna lie. Like the past two years of my life has been like the greatest two years like that could ever happen to me. And so like it's pretty cool to like be where I'm at because I'm like yeah. insanely grateful. And uh, yeah, there's like way more to the story, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. It's, it's a heavy that's thing good. to have. It's, it's something for something to happen like that, like at you know 28 years old as a young adult is like you know there's a lot to handle and you know i may have had like a pretty easy life growing up but you know at least i can you know almost sympathize for people that you know suffer right go through trauma and you know i can still overcome like one moment in my life that changes everything and like be able to like be on the comeback you know and I just yeah. want to influence people the same way. Like, I know you've been through some shit. Like, we've all been through some shit. Right. So let me be real and, like, help you, like, get through, like, the mental bullshit. You know, this is what I do. If if I can help you in some way, great. Or maybe I can revert, like, refer you to a friend that, you know, might be going through the same thing. And that's why I think it's important to share this kind of stuff with people because it's not discussed enough, you know? Yep. I agree. I think people also need to know that never to sell yourself short. Um, Piggybacking off what you just said, um, my biggest thing was I was like, since I'm in Arizona, all my friends all my friends have agents. They're all Arizona agents, and I was like, oh, I'm the only one without an agent. And then when I did the audition for my LA agent, I'm the only one in Arizona who has an LA agent. And I always told myself I will not settle for less. Like I. I'm already going to share. It makes me shorter, but <laughs> you're going to hear me. But it, I just, I just, for myself, I've never let, I, I couldn't let my situation disrupt or disrupt what I had planned. I mean, I, I was going to be a nurse, but that all changed. But it, it was like I, a lot of change um, has, it helped a lot. The biggest thing that I, um, that I do have on my phone that I listen or look, I look, it's on my Instagram and I read it and I, it's the Rocky quote where he's talking to his son and he's talking about life. And that was, I took some of that for my MS shirt. We did an MS walk 
you found what was your what was your way of finding a good support group once you got diagnosed uh i actually um went to a ms meeting just to get more information on it and i um i ended up meeting this girl and we've been like chatting and she has she got diagnosed with ms the same day i did oh damn (laughs) yeah and so me and her have gotten really close and i've done the ms walk like but i mean i'm just vocal about I'm vocal about it. Like, I don't, like, if you want to ask me a question, I'm very open about it. Like, I just, for, like, now I, I just think that it's just being open and honest about things is going to attract the right people. Like, that's how it is. So a lot of great people have come to my life and I don't take that for granted because it's like, I could say my disability did kind of allow me to meet certain people who are amazing. I met, um, I went to this group and I met this guy, his name is Marcus. He's way older, but he's really cool. His stories are amazing. He was a sniper in the Navy and I don't regret meeting him, like how I met him, like, cause I was in a dark place. Um, and just him talking about everything he's been through and just coming back on top and him still smiling about it it's just something I've always wanted for myself like I just I want that for myself and then I don't let people tell me the, the biggest thing that I think that that did hurt me and during my walk or trying to figure everything out was the whole Christian mentality oh my gosh you're not praying hard enough so you won't be able to walk and I'm like interesting <laughs> so God talked to you but I, I didn't have that conversation but it, it was it was that everybody kept saying to me I wasn't praying hard enough to, to start walking and I ended up watching the gospel or the what's like the gospel American or American gospel and this lady she was sick and she said she was atheist she's a Christian now but she said if I could pray with my kids for a day without getting sick that's a win for me and that was like okay and then just kind of trickled down from there. Uh, Chadwick Boseman didn't expect him to have cancer. Filmed all those damn movies. Did amazing. So it's like I have no reason to complain about anything. Right. Now, when, I, once uh, once my dad died, the the I guess I don't want to say the Christians, but I mean I don't really know other way to put it <laughs> is why I stopped going and why I stopped yeah. doing. Which is I guess how some people turn and do it and whatnot, but it's. I was irritated when, cause I, I was, I was at work, right. When I got, I got the call. Um, so 
I was 25, four, something like that, five. And um, was this while uh, we worked with you? I was trying to think about that. <laughs> like, I, I yeah. remember you talking about your dad. Like, I'm not sure if he had already died or if he was sick or something. I think I had just left mainland when it happened, um, okay. because he was a truck driver. Went in to get an aneurysm taken out of his stomach. So what they he went to Stanford. And they knocked him out with gas. And when he was knocked out with gas, they were teaching how to do an epidural. And whoever was doing the epidural to learn fucked up. And when he woke up from surgery, he was paralyzed from the waist down. So being a truck driver, now you have no job. So he spent an entire year, dude, of essentially just being depressed. You know what I mean? My, my dad was a lot like what you said with your dad of... He's the man of the house. He takes care of everything. You know, whether it's cooking, cleaning, yard work, cars, whatever it is, he's end all be all. And when that got taken from him, it killed him that now I had to do it. And let's be honest, I'm sure you guys remember young Nick was a douchebag. And seeing your douchebag son having to to handle everything, that's probably harder to do. So towards the end, he was starting to get, I guess, feeling back where they gave him a walker like do practice walk and do your thing and i guess one morning um every morning my parents would talk on the phone right they started work super early in the morning my mom at that the last year would call my dad what do you want for dinner blah 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 and i guess he uh is what i heard he had fell in the bathroom and hit his head but got up and it was uh she called him he goes you know i can't think right now i i, I it's foggy right he goes, I'm going to go lay down. I think I'm just tired. And that was it. And what irritated me at that point was the church I used to go to in Martinez. The pastor was part of the sheriff crew. So the, the chaplain, you know, so the chaplain that went recognized the name, called him. And then the, the they started, you know, whatever, calling my mom, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, he wouldn't leave me alone with my dad in the room. And I'm like you got to go homie. Like, let me, let me say my goodbyes to my dad. You know, he goes, Oh, he started trying to preach me. I'm like, bro, just get, get the fuck out. (laughs) You know what I mean? And he wouldn't leave. So to make it that to me, it made it worse because I was already feeling bad because prior to that, now here's, here's a little bit. I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but now I'm going to say it for the internet to know or whoever listens. So married at 18, divorced at 21, right? Yeah. I remember that. Love my kids no matter what. However, I bought a condo in Antioch and that's where I was, uh, when I, when I was 21 is when I bought it, got rid of it, blah, blah, blah. But I got rid of it when I got divorced. When we got rid of it, my ex-wife moved into my parents' house. So she lived there, right? She lived there for 11, 11 years. Okay. So that's a long time. Um, that's a marriage. That's my marriage. Right. (laughs) So he died in January so we're talking October. I got into it with her because I wasn't supposed to be at their house because it wasn't my day to see my kids, but I was doing the yard work. I wasn't even seeing my kids who were at the time, not even, they were what, five and three. So she came out pissed and yelled, hella babies. So I snap and get mad because like I said, I was a douchebag. And that's when my mom stepped in because Nicholas, the kids are inside. They don't need to see you mad. She was actually, you know, trying to protect my kids, but because I was just pissed, I didn't see like that. I snapped at my mom. So what does my dad do being the end all be all? He protects his wife. So I fucked this shit. I'm out. And I didn't talk to my dad from October 
until I got the call that he died. So I'm like, huh. So I, I wanted that time to say, I'm yeah. sorry to my dad. You know what I mean? And that's when people like, you know, when you look at when I turned everything around, it was that day. You know, it, it was January 23rd of, oh, now I got to be the big man. I don't have my dad to bail me out. You know what I mean? Even though he never bailed me out, I've been on my own since I was 17. But it's, he was my best friend, you know? And now I was a douche, so he never got to see me become a man that he was trying to teach me to be. And in that time, the people that were doing the, oh, you, 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 you need to pray. You should come back to church, blah, blah. I'm like... Where were you guys when I was 17, 18 years old, when I came to you that said that my, my brother-in-law's beating my sister? I was told that's not your business. Stay out of it. Oh, well, I ain't going to stay out of it. We fighting like that's. And then it was, you know, uh, Nick's on drugs. He's an alcoholic now. That's why he doesn't go to church anymore. Nah, dude, you guys aren't even doing nothing. You guys. And then that's the, that's the, I remember Ronald and I specifically talking about this at C28 for the people that just want to play Catholic or Christian who want the, the cross or the rosary beads is the fucking accessory. And then they're the ones that have the biggest judgment on them. And it's like, what the fuck are you supposed to do now? Because I swear every other word. Now God doesn't want to talk to me because I fucking cuss. Like, that's what you're going to tell me. I'm like, that, 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 that doesn't resonate with me, dude. Like we're supposed to be like what us three are doing now. What me, Victor and quake did. We're supposed to care about one another. We're supposed to have empathy, not, can you put a dollar in my pocket? Because if not, y'all can get out of the church because I don't need you. It's like, and that's where I feel a lot of, at least that's the church I was going to, uh, was at. And that's what jaded me to go. Um, and it's hard, you know what I mean? Because my sister still goes there. And that's the last time I talked to my sister was when my dad died. And I'm like, dude, don't don't call mom bitching about anything, you know, because she called me first. And I was like, don't, don't call mom. Mom doesn't need this. You ain't talked to mom for seven years. So she doesn't need to hear from you today. So she did. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, why, why, why you do that? You know? And it, it, oh my God, it made so many things so much worse, but I haven't been able to make peace with religion or anything yeah. since then Yeah. because it, it made me so mad. And I, and there's only been a couple times I've been that mad and it's, it's hard yeah. to, to let it go. Better. You know, what's funny that we're talking about this. You know that Christian band that we used to play in CQ8? Well, one of the guys, I don't remember what band it was, but he came out and said he doesn't believe in God. And he was a Christian band leader. And I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) Like, I laughed my ass off. Because I was like, because he's like, people are putting things in your head that you're supposed to be this way. but And you're supposed to do this, and you're supposed to do that. You need to be praying. I'm like, God didn't pray that much. I'm going to bed. Like, right. Like, I don't need to do all of that. Or when people, like you said, Nick, when people are saying you need to pray about it, I'm like, well, you need to get the fuck out of my face about it. Right. Like, you remember you people People would get so mad at me because, uh, oh, you know, uh, t- having tattoos isn't Christian-like. I'm like, and then the joke I came yeah. up with, and I got in so much trouble from the higher-ups because I'm like, Jesus mm-hmm. is going to write King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and a Sharpie on his thigh? That's a tattoo, bro. Get out. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> God's had two piercings. So Come on. No, it's sad that I haven't been to church much either. I still pray. I still have my relationship. But I'm I'm kind of like, I don't say I'm a Christian. I just say I do believe. That's something I do believe in. Um, But I just, I had to step back from that label because it was like, 
the the worst the Christian people came at me telling me that I wasn't praying hard enough or I wasn't believing God enough for walking, the more depressed I got. Right. And and it's just like when you say that to somebody, like you just make them feel like shit. That's their way of getting out of the conversation because they don't know what to do. So like last time talking to Quake and Victor, that's that's essentially of just telling you to get over it or you have nothing to be sad about to make you feel worse. They don't know how to handle it like an adult. So they're just saying what their go-to is, is just pray about it. You're not praying hard enough. That's why your life's fucked up. Those aren't even tied together. Like, it's... <laughs> right. I'm like, uh, I don't understand what's going on here. Now, now I'm just like, now I, I, like when people got something to say, I'm like, well, I'm happy your legs can work, but mine don't. Like, right. What? Like I don't know what the problem is. Like, or people complain about those. <laughs> I'm like the worst. I think God gave you this disability because I'm worse. But when people complain about running, I'm like, mm, wish I could do that. <laughs> that was so horrible. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. But I, I, it's just like you have to like, I don't know. You have to laugh at things. You have to. You gotta be real about it. Yeah. Like, there's certain things that happen. Not. It also says that everybody doesn't look the same in heaven. So right. if my ass is rolling on a wheel, a wheelchair, I will have some long ass heels, but I'll still be sitting in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm cool. Like I don't really care for walking. The only thing I wanted to do <laughs> in the movie was to do the really cool combat fighting, and I'm like, dang. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that in my wheelchair because uh, Dwight was showing me this uh, girl on Titan. She's bad girl, and she actually is disabled. She has, I think she's in the army, and she only has one leg. Oh, nice. Um, and she's in her wheelchair fighting, so I thought that was pretty cool, but it's just like, oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, have you guys ever gone to therapy? Oh. Any sort of any, any sort of therapy? Have you guys ever gone to any sort of, like, people to talk to, a therapist, a psychologist, anything? Uh, me and Dwight? Just you guys in general. I mean, you guys can do that if you want to as a couple. But as a as a person for depression, have you guys ever talked to anybody? Yeah, I'm still going. Are you? Yeah. It's beneficial. Uh, yeah, because it, it for for okay, I can't think. I for me in general, um, I don't know if all MS people have this, but my mind it kind of goes, and so it's kind of hard to keep up mm-hmm. with the thing that because all. I'll think of something and then I'll think of another thing. And then, so it's, it's, it's more for me, it's more beneficial to talk to somebody to kind of break down things. Um, and then we also, I, I went after I tried to commit suicide the first time. Um, is now, it, she helped me put me in a place to where now I set little goals for myself because my goal was, okay, I am going to walk. I'm going to be like everybody else because that's what everybody else says I should be. And But she's like, you don't have to be like that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Losing my dog. <laughs> but, Roscoe and Rhea. But th- that was like the big thing. Was you, for, it helped me to realize I don't have to have a huge expectation of walking. Right. Like, because that's what, that's what, that's what was putting, that's what, what people were putting on me. So I felt like I was failing everybody because yeah. I wasn't walking. That makes sense. But now I don't care. I'll, I'll throw my wheelchair at you. Like, <laughs> I don't give two shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ronald? Uh, as far as therapy, um, 
I've I've never seen I never like spoken to a therapist or anything. I've talked to a lot of friends that recommended to me and everything. Um, the the most that I've done is after my mom had died and I I quit AMR or yeah I quit AMR. Um, I reached out to the EAP program, uh, the Employee Assistance Program. Um, I was still I think I was still part of the union at the time and. I just told them that I was really like really struggling with, you know, my depression. And I need to talk to somebody, and so they referred me to the EAP, and I talked to um, a paramedic that I knew that, that I worked uh, with us, and uh, we had like a couple of phone calls, and I don't want to say it didn't help me or anything. It's it's just uh, I just wanted to like vent out, you know, how I was right. feeling to somebody that can hear it and. I find myself to be a pretty over analytical person. So I really try to focus on like, okay, what do I need to do to just move forward and, you know, focus right and like really get my mental going. And I think it's like the EMT in me that, you know, kind of harps on that kind of shit. And at the same time, I'm also like a pretty practical person. So yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be like real, like, I feel like I don't need it in a way, but yeah. You know, if, if I felt like I actually needed help, I know that I have the right people in my corner that wouldn't know what's up because I, I still get people that check in on me. And okay. and I'm going to be real. I'm just like, look, whatever idea you have of me that might be, like, depressed now, like, you have it totally wrong because I'm living, like, a really great life right now. And I couldn't be happier. Yeah. But um, I, I did want to go back to when you guys were talking about, like, your status in the church and everything because – it's pretty relative to me too because uh being like super catholic and everything my mom or my parents just really raised us to be these leaders in the church and we did all these camps and everything and i played music and i felt like i was pleasing the wrong people in this world <laughs> it was only i was always you know told that you know i might be a priest one day or you know i'm gonna be this huge leader that everyone looks up to and everything and uh, I feel like I was just too, I was compared to a lot with people to be a certain way and I have to pray a certain way and, you know, know all these things. And I'm just like, that's not who I am, though. Like, I think of myself as a leader in, in some way, but I think I needed to do it differently. And Amen. it's not like I left the church because I don't believe in God or anything. I think it's just if I have a purpose in life, I think my real purpose is to portray like what I've learned morally as a human being through the church and you know use that you know uh, mentality for other people that might not have an outlet to see what the church is like or see what my youth was like because I, I have no regrets you know from my youth group my community all those people that I work with I think it's just it was time for me to move on and you know really show the world that I can be a good person and uh you know just really like compare with people in a different way with my experiences and stuff and right. you know that's where like i really feel like i'm serving like a, a better purpose you know okay. for myself for other people that you know might need it you know it doesn't really matter how many people but i i feel really comfortable with where i am right now so that's good i'm right there with you as well like just being in a comfort level like not trying to because my mom was heavy on that she still was um but that was like a hard thing for me too because my mama was like you and your husband are gonna be like joyce meyer and dave and i was like i'm not white but <laughs> 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 but it, it, it was 
on you does suck. Like, because if you don't live up to that, you feel horrible. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was like I had to take a step back. And I was like, well, here's the thing. I cuss. Husband cuss. Cusses. Like, I'm just out there. Like, I really don't care. Like, if I go to heaven or not, like, I know I'm going because you can't tell me I'm not. Like, I would be at the gate trying to get in. Like, but it's just like <laughs> people, I, it just sucks when the people that you do turn to kind of shut you out yeah. and make you feel like shit. Yep, and that's that's the hard part. That's uh, in that that little one I did by myself. That that's been the biggest thing that I said it on that one, and it's I thought I was wrong after I said it, but the more I think about it, I think the more that it does ring true that people claim that they want to talk and they want to be there for you mm-hmm. as long as you fit into their little mm-hmm. box, and the second that you don't, or the second that they don't understand, they're done. And then they stop checking on you. They stop asking. They stop doing anything, which is why I just stop being real with people. I'm just like, yeah, I'm great. You know what I mean? Because I've learned that a lot of people that I deal with on a day to day, it's all a facade. It's, it's just, you're, you're asking how I'm doing because you're walking by me in a hallway, bro. You're asking how you're, how we're doing because you're sitting next to me at lunch or we're just going yeah. to kick it at a baseball game and that's just kind of the weird awkward conversation like it's it's never a good time of it's a scripted thing it's what yeah. it is you know and you never and, and i fall victim to this too that this this part right here um i get lost in everyday life i get lost right. in my own life to where i don't always reach out as like right right here you're gonna i know what you're gonna say to this but Clearly, I knew that that your mom had passed. And how many times did I reach out to you? It was like, hey, dude, I've been there. My dad died 10 years ago. Let's go get a beer and talk this out. I didn't. And that's where I faltered as a person, as a friend. Because I didn't do that because my shit just was right in front of my face and I couldn't see past my nose. You know what I mean? And that's something that I'm trying to, to, to change moving forward. Um, but a lot of people don't have the self-awareness or care to have the self-awareness from what I'm I'm seeing which is why they don't change themselves until shit is too late. And that's where I think a a huge part of mental health is, is trying to have that self-awareness. And especially nowadays is people, people in a society that's supposed to be as, as open and accepting as ever. Um, they're very much so judgmental. And now it's, it's not even necessarily, judgmental as sexual orientation or skin color it's i'm not going to talk to you if we don't have the same political belief i'm not going to talk to you if we don't have the same belief on you know this covid stuff i'm not going to talk you know what i mean it's like cool (laughs) so so now now we don't talk because of something like that like i don't give two shits about that you know what i mean like i'm trying to come to you as a as a as a it's that's like i i compare all that to ronald not talking to somebody because they're a niner fan it's like you're a Raider fan, so fuck your Niner fan, bro. I don't even want to talk to you about your mental health. Go fuck yourself. It's like ah, to me that's the same playing field. It's like okay, that's that's what we're gonna result it to. It's where now it's 
it's clicky and it, then that's how it is in the church if you're not with that with in your click with the church don't you dare I fucking separate it again. it's exactly what it is and that's i was like i thought i graduated oh no i, I graduated no <laughs> shit just gets worse now because you talk shit about people while you're drunk so well i did that no, in high school I too but <laughs> it's yeah that, that's true because like now when people ask me how i'm doing i'm like i'm miserable my legs don't work <laughs> they're like uh how are you and I'm, they're like uh i'm okay got, gotta go i really I can't complain now because you like said that making, <laughs> i like making people uncomfortable because it's just like don't like be like just be you don't try to be something you're not i don't need you to be fake with me because i'm not going to be fake with you right like my husband uh he showed me the i don't know if you saw it was on Will. It was Will Ferrell, and he stabbed himself in his leg. He's like, I'm paralyzed, blah. Oh, and I was like, yeah. I should totally do that just already by the by my legs are paralyzed. But it, it's just like, I don't know. People people do. They just it, it's sad, but people do look at you different when you go through something. Like, it, it's a sign of weakness. Looks yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a sign of weakness the that they don't know how to deal with, and they don't, and then that's, but it shouldn't be. And I think that that's the problem is that it shouldn't be a sign of it's it's okay if and it's acceptable and understanding if I cut myself or if I get hit with you know 120 120 volts of work to whatever it's like oh now I'm hurt and I'm out but if I'm going through shit at home and I need to take a day and I'm you know I need to fucking just just regroup it's like get your ass back to work and suck it up and go I was talking I did a photo shoot this morning. Um, with an operator and she was telling me that one of her laborers at work has been going through a lot of stuff. Cause I guess his mom had just passed and everyone's like, he needs to get the fuck back to work. And she's like, you need wow. to calm the fuck down because he's going through something. And, and yeah. I told her, I was like, you know, that that's, that's fucked up. You know what I mean? And the shitty part is, is that a lot of people are like that because they've like, they've, they've, they've never gone through anything. So they don't right. know how they would be or, they've been fucked over from people just using it as an excuse. I've known people that have used the excuse like that to get a month off of work just because they didn't want to go. And I'm like, well, now that's fucked up because now that looks bad. Now everyone's going to be jaded when somebody actually has something going wrong. You know what I mean? It's, it's, there's shitty shit. There's shitty stuff no matter what you do. But when somebody's legit hurting and you say, you know, man, the fuck up, get back to work. You can go fuck yourself. I don't need the job this bad. Like it's, that's why I made that sticker. I'm dragging up, bitch. I'm grabbing my tools and you ain't going to see me again. So, <laughs> No, that's true because that was the transition I had to go through. I went from walking to not walking and people are like, something's wrong. Like, I feel like something's stirring. And I was like, well, I'm not stirring anything. I'm just annoyed. Like, yeah. if you ain't going to come heal me, then get the fuck out of my way. Like, it's just like, I hated that. That was like my biggest thing and I still uh, talk about it a lot is when people still look at me as this person that I was that I or that I was and they don't look at the, the person I am now yeah. and people are assholes <laughs> but I let them know I don't know feel about some, sometimes I uh, I'll see like an old friend or someone somebody I used to associate with and mm-hmm. you know they tell me how much I've changed and everything and I'm like I just you know yeah I'm a different person but you can't really like what are they uh, expecting you to do you know what i mean like and i get that too it's like oh i okay 
I told Christina this. I didn't tell you this. He ain't going to listen to it. So I ran into uh, to Giuseppe a month or so ago. And, uh, yeah, in Antioch, bro. Uh, yeah, he's out here, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, well, it's been a while. He couldn't remember my name. And then he's like, oh, you know, you, you, you look different. And I was like, been 10 years. You don't even know my name. What the fuck do you mean? You know, it's like, yeah, people change. I, I, what are you holding me to? You know, and that's right. Obviously, that's you're you're different in everybody's mind, and you're the hero, you're the villain in everybody's story. And it's only taken me until recently to to understand. I don't give a fuck what I am in people's stories or whatever. It is what it is. You know, I'm not gonna go fucking fight and change it. Um, and that was a that was a hard thing to realize too, because I've always had. I haven't always had it. Once I was on my own and I started acting a certain way, it was always tied that I was this little hood. I was this little whatever it is because every time I'd get mad or I'd not every time I'd get mad, that's fucking very, very violent. Anytime I got pushed to the brink, I would, you guys remember that bar in San Ramon, the outpost? Never go there? I know. So I used to go to that bar and I used to go to a bar in Castro Valley, Spanky's, and I knew the people there. I knew them enough to where they would know why I was there just by looking at me and who I talked to first. If I talk to security first, it's more of like, you're going to have a rough night on your hands. And well, here we go. And then there's Nick walking up, slapping a drink out of somebody's hand, saying something probably very vulgar. And then that's how I got my stress and my relief out. You know what I mean? It's almost like that scene in fight club where he's just getting beat by that dude and he starts laughing and that's where I was at for a long period of time. And that's because I was, I didn't know who I was. It's very hard to know that you're a certain way and everybody telling you, no, you're not. Now this is also very ironic coming from a heterosexual white male. So it's nothing that anybody else has to go through that any, that anybody does go through, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, it's very shitty across the board when no, I lost a lot of friends. You, when I, when I, my mom did the whole, cause I, I came out as bisexual. My mom prayed over me. I remember that. That was at C2A, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so I was like, we ain't got no holy water in here. No way. No, <laughs> and I was like, you just can't pray the game. It's out of order. No. But then it, it got worse. Um, it was before COVID. Me and my husband decided to open our marriage. Um, that got me a whole lot of not people talking to me, like a lot of Christian people might talk to me. But I'm like, you're not in my marriage. Like, you're not in my bed at night. Like, I don't know what your problem is. I'm not trying to ch- change you. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm just saying this is what I do. But I'm not trying to convert you into this. Yeah. Like, this isn't, like, it's just, it was annoying because it was like a lot of people had a lot of stuff to say. My husband, he's just like, fuck you. <laughs> 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 he doesn't really give a shit, but it's just, it's stupid because you can, I feel like in the Christian community, you can never be yourself. You have to be somebody else. And it gets, as I got older, it, it's just like now it's like at a certain age, you're just like, I'm tired. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't want to play this game 
is stupid. Like, this is just what this is. What's funny is that how many churches are like that where you have a lot of people sleeping with other people and uh, just fucking around and doing what they want to, but they look a certain way, which is which is what society does now with <laughs> social media. Yeah. Everybody yeah, has the perfect pastor. fucking life on social media, but nobody wants to be real. Nobody wants, And then if they do, Quake said this on the last one, if I post a video... Of me crying. I said this about Tyrese. Tyrese posted a video of him crying. I don't even remember what it was about. And I was like, dude's looking for attention. And and it's like, ah, oh, homie might have actually been going through something and posted that shit to be real and vulnerable. Just like if I did that, a lot of people are like, oh, Nick's just looking for attention. It's like, yeah, well, that's not what's going yeah, on, but you're going to assume it. And it's like, mm-hmm. what what is the proper outlet of... Who can you talk to? Who can you talk to? How many people can you legitimately call and say, I'm having a rough time. Can we meet up in the next hour and you listen to me? Can you just, that's all I need you to do. I don't even know a lot of people that can do that in their relationships. If they can be that real without the person's spouse taking whatever they're saying personal and then they feel attacked and then they immediately shut it down and close it off and it's i'm not that way sad i'm honest and all 10 right dwight hates me sometimes because i'm like you're, you're gonna lift tree like if not shit's gonna get thrown but you have to starting with the wheelchair no it's true it that is true though and it is your circle i'm I know, as i'm getting older and you guys know uh probably are doing this as well your circle gets smaller. Yeah. Like, I don't let a lot of people in. Like, okay, you can get your autograph when I go to the red carpet, but after that, like, I don't really, really care. Like, who are you? Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. You're not in my circle. You don't know me personally. Right. But it's just, it's just what it is. Now it's I'm at, I'm at a point where, I had such a big social circle where, because I went to two different high schools uh, in two different cities. I was in a youth group that, and so I know a lot of people, and I'd like to think that I have a lot of friends, and I just didn't want to keep up with people anymore. And Mm -hmm. it's not because I hate other people. I think it's just there's too much to keep up with, and I got to deal with my own shit. So, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I, I keep my social media pretty public to an extent. Um, because I'd like to think that people like to keep up with me, which is pretty cool. But for the most part, you know, I'm I'm on this like I really don't give a fuck mentality. Yeah. yeah I want to wake up, go to work, get the job done, try and do it well, come home and try to take care of my body, and then on the weekends just relax and enjoy what I got here. Right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's all it's really about for me. And you know, try and make time for family. And, you know, when it's going to be important and like throughout the pandemic, it's been pretty hard. Right. So mm-hmm. I really took the time through the pandemic to just like cut a lot of people off and just really be, like, be in my space. And it's been mm-hmm. way more than a blessing than I ever thought it was going to be. So it's nice because I'm like, oh, I don't have this person in my ear. Like, yeah. hey, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, that's what I did during COVID, too. I just really reevaluated some things and just 
I approach the people in front of like, uh, I don't really need you. I know you're going to need me, but I don't need you. That's why I got rid of my social media altogether. All I have are just my photography and my uh, locals only page. That's it. You know what I mean? Other yeah, than that, it's closed off. And if you know me, you know me. If you want to hit me up, right. you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But that's more of a, I think that as we all get older, I think we all hit that mark where it's like, what the fuck am I doing? What am I, yeah. what am I putting, who the fuck really cares about what I'm putting up there? You know? And it's, um, it's hard to have that realization that you're like, oh shit, I'm, I'm old now. What does that mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, fuck. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we grew up in a generation where the internet was born. Yeah. And we've mm-hmm. seen it evolve into what it is now. I mean, it has a lot of like really good purposes, but we've also seen the dark side of it and yeah. what the internet brings to this world. And part of us is just like, yeah, that's just a little too messy. And so now we're becoming like, you know, how the baby boomers thought where they're just like, ah, like technology, that's, it's not going to be good for us. It's like robots and shit. And like, you know, in a way, it's, it's not exactly robots. Well, there's already robots that exist, but it evolved our society into like this monster of like, you know, misconceived judgment and the way information is shared. And it's like, it's just yeah. all really confusing shit. And like, you know, it's every, there's, there's good and bad in everything. And that's just how the internet evolved into what it is today. And, I don't know. We, we're it's like this. Everything that Nick, everything that you're doing, Nick, is like, is trying to do like good by how we can share information. And that's mm-hmm. bringing actual authenticity to what the real world is like. You know, we, different background. This is why I hit you up about it because like, I hella fuck with the idea that like everyone has has a story and they have a different background and they're brought up in a different way, but we're all connected like somehow. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. My stories, my energy, by the people that we know, and mm-hmm. it's important to like really be there for the like not just the people that are like our family and our close friends, but like right. we can still be there for people that don't even fucking know us because they yeah. just heard something on the internet that they can compare themselves to, and that's why like I'm hella down with this is you know bringing reality to the world and being just really like blunt about it. Just off yeah, the first I, episode alone. I got 17 uh, DMs on Instagram nice. saying thank you. Yeah, hell yeah. I, and, love, um, it. It's, I love it too. I, I think it's amazing. It's huge. And I don't know, I don't map it out um, like I have before. Because up until that la- the last two episodes, um, it was, I, I, I've always wanted to keep it fun. And, and this is this is fun in a different way this is the growing learning fun i but up until then i don't know if you guys have heard any it was movies it was sports it was work it was you know a bunch of bullshit um and that's fun i'm still gonna do those don't get me wrong but i want to come back right 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 so you can you can read my movie that's that's the plan (laughs) that's the plan but i think that I don't. I don't even care about growing the audience right now. This is more of an outlet because I don't really have an outlet for myself. So I put everything into my kids. I put everything into my work. I put everything into my real job. Not that locals only is a fake job, but my job that pays the bills. Um, 
and just growing that. And it, it's it's actually funny is what got me to outside of people telling me that I have no morals for the content that I'm putting out there for this calendar. It's dealing with my own union for why I decided to shit or get off the pot. And I thought about it after Wednesday, which, okay, that's a lie. Tuesday, Tuesday last week was a very fucking weird day for me. So it started out by me getting a phone call at four that I have no morals and I'm a sleazeball. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Good morning to you too. And then at 1030 in the morning, I got a phone call from the director of my school. So there's hundreds of apprentices in my school, you know, and I don't know if you guys know, uh, Ronald, you might know, but on Wednesday, uh, Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris were at my apprenticeship and they were speaking on their political stuff, the recall, blah, blah, blah. And I got a voicemail from the director of my school. He goes, Nick, we're having an event here tomorrow. I want you to be in on the festivities. So let me figure this out. I was like, what event, bro? What the fuck are you talking about? And so I hit him back and he goes, well, I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, we're having an event here. I was like, I gathered that from the, from the voicemail. What is it? He goes, well, you're going to have to take the day off work. I'm like, you're not starting out strong. I was just off Monday because of Labor Day. I don't want to take another day off because I don't get paid. And he's like, oh, Newsom's going to be speaking and Harris is going to be here. And we want you to meet and greet and speak with them because of everything you're doing. I'm like, how the fuck am I on a list, bro? Take your crosshairs off me. I don't want to. I want to be under that radar. And, you know, uh, apparently only five apprentices were invited and I'm the only one that turned it down. And I, at first I was bothered. I was like, that's not a good look for me. Regardless of political view, that's not a good look for me. And, but then I thought about it. I'm like, dude, I can't, I don't want to align my brand politically any way, shape or form. And I want to keep my shit very, very neutral as much as I can. There's probably going to be a time where I'm going to have to decide blah, blah, blah. But I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Tuesday was not that call. Uh, he also gave me 20 minutes to be like, hey, I need to know by 11 o'clock. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, uh, uh, no. Um, but I want to... Right? I was like, I want to stay as fun as possible because of the climate of our of our world, of our country, of everything. It is hard that that's what you see. And that's why I think there's a big thing with mental health going down because nobody can turn away from it. Friends don't talk to friends for who they're voting for or what their belief is on COVID or whatever it is. I'm like, and these are people who were best friends for 30 years. I've seen 30 year friendships fall apart. And it's like, are you, are you kidding? Like what, why? And then of course people are going to spiral, let alone people who are immune compromised or, whatever the case is see and isolated mm-hmm. for a long time i mean you're you're out there doing your thing now but being isolated for so long you're gonna fuck your brain your brain up you're brian yeah. i don't know who the fuck brian is don't fuck him <laughs> um you're gonna fuck your brain up yeah and for some reason after that phone call on me because i work by myself all day so all i do is listen to podcasts and i'm like Son of a bitch, we need to talk about this. <laughs> and this is the third episode of it. And I think it's it's huge. And now it's it's turning into other things of women in the workplace and all the stuff they have to deal with, which I didn't realize because I'm not a woman, how bad it is and why there are so many women that want to be part of the calendar but can't because of assholes on the job site or other hater-ass women who just talk shit. And it all ties back 
to how people are thinking and feeling about themselves to why they're projecting that shit on other people. Well, I will get your ass fired because... I didn't do nothing, bro. What the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) That means you also need to do a calendar for, like, the fat guys in the union, like... Oh, I'm down. Calendar with all the dad bods. Oh, I'm down. Yeah, see, you gotta you gotta expand it so it's like, yeah, it's all inclusive, duh. Right? Well, dude, (laughs) this calendar has been so hard and taxing to do because of (laughs) I started it in March of this year. It's gonna take me seven weeks to get it back from the printer. Mm -hmm. I'm not even done editing or getting all my pictures in. I'm like. Son, I dude, I've lost over I've lost over twelve girls, and there's only twelve months in the calendar, so I've had to replace. And then everybody who's in it, they're clearly getting merch because there's some that I'm not shooting. So it's like I'm just sending shit, and then all of a sudden it's just radio silence. I'm like, hey man, that's cool. Like, <laughs> so like my job because they don't tell you till the last minute. You book something, bitch. I'm in L- I'm like in Arizona. Like you couldn't tell me this two minutes ago, like yesterday, right? Right? It's like they tell you the last minute. I'm like, dang it. Right? So, like, yeah, I understand. It's, it's hard, but it'll be worth it. But, I mean, but that's why I started talking about I, I I actually started talking about it. And because I don't sleep a lot, and my mind is like yours, Christina, it goes a million miles a minute all the time. Mm-hmm. That's when it's like, I got to, and this is the shitty part, I have to be the one that starts it. I have to yeah. be the one that starts to talk about it. And I'm like, I don't want to. Like, can I I push that off on somebody else? Like, well, that ain't going to really work. Um, And that's a scary thing to do, uh, as you guys know, to be vulnerable with each other, let alone letting people that you don't know across the country. Because actually, Shooting Blanks has been played in four other countries, too. So it's technically a worldwide podcast, which is kind of weird to think of. Um, Worldwide. Right? But you guys are putting yourselves out there for that. And I appreciate that. And that's and that's dope. But before I forget, Ronald, you said something that you wanted to touch on it later. I don't remember what that was, but it's definitely later. <laughs> oh, I mean, that, that actually dove into why I actually left mm. EMS and everything. So you already got... I, I assume the question was going to come up anyways. Yeah. So um, that's that was the that later. was it. Okay, dope, dope. We right. had the moment. So. Yeah, no, I just want to make sure that that we we hit it because I don't want to I don't want to overlook anything, and I want to definitely make sure everybody gets what they want out. What would you guys like to see change? Uh, just because I know that we're coming up on we're at an hour and a half now, but um, I know I talked about this before, or I talked about mental health before. I didn't talk about this before. What would you guys want to see changed? in the mental health realm whether it be more access to treatment more access to pills or people being more open what what do you think would be the most beneficial way for people to help whatever mental illness or uh, trauma that they're having for me i would say whatever helps you like if counseling helps, do counseling. But I don't recommend, I don't, I do tell people, I don't recommend just jumping on a bit on a medicine. You need to figure that out. Yeah. Like figure out what your, how your brain works, how your, how's your mindset? Are you, are you able to fall asleep 
like at night? Are you like what what would work for you on your day to day? Because that is pretty much how it is. It's just like for me, I have trouble falling asleep. So I have to take a sleeping pill because my mind is it wanders consistently and and that's one of the things with MS and it well my thing with MS but it, I just say just do whatever makes you feel works. I, I even said that about the vaccine. If your body do what you want, yeah. just know I got the vaccine. But I also tell people I still distance my ass because if you're sick, I can't be around you. Right. So so I'm just that's just what that is. But I just say do what what feels right for you. Don't feel pressured to be like everybody else because at the end of the day those people are going to just fuck you over anyway and you're again trying to figure out what to do next yeah i think that um a way we can improve it is you know you, you think about a lot of people that always want to reach out and help and they always ask mm-hmm. how can i help what can, like what can i do for you i think a lot of people should start thinking a little more creatively on how you know their strengths in life and what their skills and uh, experiences are like and how they can apply that into aiding others in mental health. Like yeah. for me personally, like as an EMT, I felt helpless, you know, uh, in aiding anybody going through a mental health crisis. The most I did was have a conversation in the back of the ambulance, but, you know, they weren't really getting help because, you know, sometimes it's not really effective what goes on in the hospitals. So I got into lifting and I realized that it really helped me out being able to, you know, think about, you know, my sets and, you know, how I'm like building more strength in my body and I'm implying that mentally. And so that's kind of how I kind of sort of like built my whole brand around, you know, forging yourselves and empowering others and, you know, utilizing my strength training to be able to help people. And I think that's how I want to see changes. We can improve you know, mental health overall for people if we just figure out, you know, how, like, what our strengths and uh, how they can help people, you know. If you're somebody that likes to cook, have a cooking class or just meet up with people, have a little club, something like that. So you can kind of take people away from having to focus on, like, the bullshit in life. And, right. You know, the other thing that my therapist has told me, and I started doing um, way before she told me to, I used to do it. I stopped, but now I'm back into it. But journaling, just writing down my yeah, feelings yeah, and just that. getting that shit out, yeah. like it really does make you feel better because it, it clogs your mind and you're constantly thinking about it. But when you write it down, you don't have to look at that. You don't have to look at the page again. You just go to the next page. So it's just journaling really has helped a lot. Like journaling is a big one for me. Yeah, and it's not like we... You know, it's not like we're going to change mental health as far as like no. curing somebody's depression. Like, yeah. what, what we go through is what we live through. And we have to, mm-hmm. you know, I think our responsibility as a human is to teach people how to live through these, you know, moments and like mm-hmm. how to overcome, you know, these, these trials. And it's, it's never going to go away. Right. And that's the reality of it. It's just how we maintain, how we live life. And, what we decide we're going to do the next day and recognizing, you know, the differences in our lives and how things change and learning how to adapt to it. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a big one because I think like you, you both were saying your parents passed away and, and then having me myself going through a mental, um, just having MS, 
they don't give you that canceling part. They don't talk to you about it. Like, so you're stuck by yourself. Yep. You don't need to be stuck by yourself because you're like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? I think that's a big one that I've been talking to my uh, doctor about is when you get diagnosed with something, you need to like figure out because I just digitally see myself. I, I can see it now at the doctor's office. My husband was there and he was telling me I had it and I just looked at him and it was just like white noise and I just kept looking at him. I was like, I just, I couldn't process it. But it's like after you get home in the next day, you still have to process it, but you need someone to talk to you. You need things to see how things are. Like they don't give you information. They just say, oh, just go on the website and check out this. This person doesn't have what I have. Yeah, right. <laughs> so to have someone that talks to you about it and to help you figure out your next step is something I think needs to be done. Be- because I-, I was going to say this, the year I got diagnosed with MS, uh, 2015, the following year, that January, my mom got uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, damn. So, um, but for when she got diagnosed, she had someone to talk to. Like, the doctors were very available. They, like, they told her, like, don't make any decisions. Don't look at the, the binder for a week and then come and talk to us. I didn't get that. Like, I didn't get that at all. And so, that was the hard one for me because I was by myself. Yeah. And that's what I think people need when you do have a life-altering thing. You ha- you need someone to be able to sit down with you and be like, okay, just if you want to, you can write down your questions. If not, we can just sit here in silence, but I'm sitting here with you. Right. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people can need. That's true. And I, I like what um, the... I think what 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 Ronald said is what what would work for a lot of people, if everyone's honest with each other. Like for you, if you were honest, I'm not saying you're not honest, but I'm saying if you have your group of friends, whatever how many there are, and you guys each have your own strengths, and you hit up your buddy like, here's what's going on in my life. I'm struggling right now. A lot of people's go to is, well, I'm here for you for whatever you need. That person, like you guys have noticed and you guys have experienced, I'm sure, when you're going through something traumatic or big you don't want to think about what the fuck to do you're not going to have an answer of what the fuck you need you're just going through space just kind of floating there not knowing what you're feeling or thinking or blah 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 but if you have your strengths like ronald said is like oh you're going through something come over i'll cook we ain't got to talk you can watch you can help blah 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 oh why don't you come over and lift with me or let's go to a hockey game let's you know what i mean whatever it is play into your strengths like Ronald said and then that will relax the person and then all of a sudden guess what someone's going to start talking and then your real problem your real truth your real struggle is going to come out and then you can figure out the next step from there even if it's as small as okay for example if I got diagnosed with MS and I had nobody to talk to clearly I, I could talk you. to Christina I called you. you did I call me the first person I called. and we, we and talked about it just, for a minute you, yeah you just let me vent <laughs> And you sat there, you didn't say anything, you just let me vent, and then you added, asked some questions, and I vented again, <laughs> and yeah. then it was like, it was, it was peaceful for me, because I felt like you were the only person who would understand, like, you wouldn't have to say anything, yeah. like, you would just let me just be in that awkward moment, 
and that's why I reached out to you. You're the first person, like, well, second, because White was there too, but you were the first person I called, and I was, I remember, because I was sitting in my closet, and I just, I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I remember that. And it's, it's needed, uh, to have those people that you can call and you can do that to. And I think that that part with friendships is almost fleeting. And I say that in regards to physical friendships to where people, uh, don't have that interaction day to day life anymore because everybody gets mixed up with the hustle and bustle of whatever they're doing. Um, and just like in any relationship when you have to, people don't want to say it, but when you have to schedule and plan a date night, or even if you have to schedule and plan sex or whatever it is, because you're in a low, you have to do that with your friends too. Don't plan sex with your friends. That's weird. But plan. Hey, don't call me weird. No, I'm not saying you're weird. But I'm saying you have to schedule time to check on your friends. Whether it's, A, every Wednesday, I'm going to hit you up. That's going to be our vent session or whatever it is until it's more of a, you know what? Nothing's going on. I'm I'm good. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is. And you have to schedule it. You have to put that in there. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But for some reason, when you have to do that, people feel not important and belittled and then it makes matters worse so <laughs> yeah no that's true yeah that's why i keep my circle small I, like if i have a problem i'll let somebody like know and i'll communicate to them but i think that is a big one um because i i don't know if you guys know um my friend Susie, i've known her since like the sixth grade and we just got back to talking um the only reason we started the back talking is because my sister Dominique is on um, heroin. Oh, she's damn. A drug, yeah, she's a drug addict. And so my friend Susie was a drug addict. And we, she's been helping me kind of cope with that. It's hard to see your family go through that. But to, to have somebody talk to you is nice. Yeah. Because they, they understand what you're feeling. They understand what you're going through because they went through it themselves. Because that, when I try to talk to my mom, She's just like, we're going to pray. And I was like, oh, God can't, God's busy. We got other things to do. Like, we got to do, we got to do this ourselves. <laughs> but, but having that outlet to be able to talk to somebody who's been through that is very helpful. Yeah. And same with MS. I tell a lot of people about it. Like, I'm always talking about it. You have to. You got to bring awareness <laughs> to it and you got to make sure that you're, you're good and you're comfortable too. And that's, yeah. that's huge and needed. So. Are you blunting, uh, rolling up another one? Yeah. We ain't judging here. We ain't, ain't judging going on. What the hell? <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I tried. I tried that for because it does help calm the MS. Yeah, I just made me angry. Oh. So everybody got like yelled at. So I was like, never mind. This ain't for me. <laughs> yeah, there's different ways. Yeah, I just I was angry. Yeah. People got, people got the breath. I was like, I shouldn't smoke this anymore. Right? I took a, uh, an edible on Friday when I went to Sacramento mm-hmm. to go see Joe Rogan. And that was a cool time to just uh, kind of relax and kick it with a homie. And, you know. But. Yeah, my, my roommate and I, we went to a, 
metal show in the city. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, we saw uh, Dance Gavin Dance. Yeah. Yeah, at the Warfield. Oh, right and, on. Uh, we were in the pit for the most of the night, so. That's a good night. Yeah. That was my little, like, little release. Yeah. You know, just yeah. being at home all the time. And oh, shit. the other cool thing is, okay, so, sorry, like, I'm totally patting your eyeball. But when I went for, when I did my audition in LA on Wednesday, um, we were checking out because we had to get our ticket validated. And the guys were like, yeah, we have Michelle Rodriguez coming tomorrow. And I was like, oh my God, too bad, I'm not going to be here. Damn. That's so cool. I love her. Yeah. I was like, you're going to say my name one day. There you go. <laughs> That's the plan. That is the plan. So, it, it was cool. I'm going to wrap this one up. Um, just because we are at an hour and 45. <laughs> and that way it just leaves us with more stuff to talk about. What I might do, to be honest, is if I get um, a certain plethora of people, we can I can interchange um, guests. And uh, everybody yeah. has a different background, which is cool. But there's a thing that I need to play with on Spotify. They have like, uh, I forgot what it's called. But it's something rooms where a shit ton of people come in and then I can obviously mute and blah, blah, so not everyone's talking at once. And then it could be a hangout. I can do it on Zoom, but I don't know if people want to be like on video and they turn this shit up. I don't know. Uh, I got to figure that part out. That's that's what I might do. Um, But I got to see how that's going to be with how many people. Uh, Because I know that with the Spotify room thing, it's not recorded, I don't think. I can probably record it. But if it's just like a big hangout. This one was cool. Uh, if it's yeah, just a big hangout session, oh, I already am. Really? 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 Uh, <laughs> um, I just want to get people more, give them interaction. You know what I mean? And if there's something that people are going through or seeing or hearing or whatever to give them the chance to, I don't want to say that we, we can be therapists or whatever, cause we're definitely not. But like you said, giving, finding somebody that has an understanding um yeah. is a is a good thing is a good thing as well so yeah also too uh you can put out my email um let people know on my instagram if, if someone needs to talk to you or they just need a bet i'm here like got you all i do is practice lines and i'll be sitting here watching tv there so you go you can call me or text me that's a good right. day so I will, I'll, I'll definitely tag you guys in this. I'm going to post it right now. It should be up on Spotify and Apple within an hour top. Sometimes it lags. Um, and then we'll definitely do this again. So thank you guys for setting aside a couple hours and talking about this and putting yourselves out there. And uh, let me know when you guys want to do it again, and we'll run it back. So oh, yeah. I'm down. Right on, guys. Cool. Have a good night.